Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's the Jim Fannin Show. We've come to take your mind. Am I still on? Take, oh, wait. Well, the producer's got to make sure the next song doesn't come on. Perf. Oh, he missed it. I had to press cancel first. Such a sloppy producer. That's M Factor coming on there. Corey, thanks for your time, man. It's been a while putting it together, but I appreciate you having, having you on. What, uh, what's going on? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Um, <laughs> two years later, still, uh, still feel great. Yeah. <laughs> two years later. I mean, everything's in reference to the pandemic now right like we have to everything you know how are you doing it's all in relation to the lockdown and this quote yeah. pandemic so first uh, before we get into all that i don't have a script i don't know you've never been on the show before but if you saw me with josh picker it's pretty clear well there's no script there's no planned questions anything like that you can call it lack of preparation or just winging it i don't know but uh just for the people that don't know who you are tell us everything about like where you came from who your parents are how you grew up how you got to the place where you are now and then we'll get into the rest of it later all right it's not the most exciting story but um yeah so i'm originally from uh st Catharines. um my dad uh, doug Pavel, was a professional hockey player born in st Catharines. Uh, when i was born in 72 my dad was playing with the philadelphia flyers so um in September, October, when the season started, I spent my first year in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey is where we lived. And um, so that was 72, 73. And then in 73, 74, my dad was traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, so we moved from uh, New Jersey, uh, Cherry Hill, we moved into uh, Lauren Park in Mississauga and um, spent three years there. Um, I did preschool and some kindergarten there. And then my dad was uh, picked up in the expansion draft by the Colorado Rockies. So in, I think, 76, we moved out to uh, Colorado. So, um, but every summer, because I was from St. Catharines, so even though we were living in Colorado, every summer I came back to um, St. Catharines. So every time the season was over and school ended, 
Um, we'd hop in the van, the truck, whatever, fly back, but we'd come back for the summer. I always played summer sports in St. Catharines. So even though I did live, you know, I kind of grew up in, in the U.S. and in Colorado, I always in the summertime came back to St. Catharines. So I have a lot of, a lot of roots to St. Catharines. Um, my grandfather, Doug Favell Sr., I was very involved in, in lacrosse and minor hockey. Um, he started up the St. Catharines Falcons, uh, won a Minto Cup with the A's. Uh, my dad, same thing, was very involved with um, minor hockey and, you know, gave a lot back to the to the city, um, golf tournaments and charity, charity events and stuff like that. So um, eventually, uh, I think around grade six, we moved. We finally, after my dad retired, he stayed out in Colorado. Um, he coached at the Denver, Denver University. I played my minor hockey at Denver University. Uh, I was a junior pioneer. And then uh, we moved back to Jordan. And uh, my sister started high school at Dennis Morris. I went to Dennis Morris and um, yeah, kind of came back to our roots and, you know, set up shop in Jordan. And that's where, you know, that's where I continued to grow up. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of my story. I traveled around a little bit growing up. Uh, my dad was a professional hockey player. I wasn't. I love sports. I thought maybe I was going to be a professional hockey player, but um, I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. And it, it was a, you know, it was a, tough game back then in the, in the eighties and nineties. So, um, I do a lot of strength training now because, you know, I try to give back to the kids and try to help them find a path to, you know, extend their hockey careers or not necessarily hockey, just building um, a path for kids that, you know, hockey doesn't have to end at 19. Baseball doesn't have to end at 20. You know, you can, you can find a path where you can keep playing a sport you love, um, for a long period of time, if you, if, if you follow that right path. So that's kind of what I do now. Um, I'm involved in strength training. I have a technology that's, that's pretty game changing with, with athletes and with physio. Um, I work a bit with the NHL alumni. I have some NHL alumni that guys retiring right out of the uh, pro sports are always in great shape. They're not looking to get back in shape, but I found, you know, guys are, you know, they hit their seventies and they realize they can't hit the golf ball as far as they used to. They start to realize, hey, maybe I could do a little strength training, and the equipment I use is perfect for that. So I um, kind of set up a deal with the NHL alumni. I work with you know alumni guys for for no charge, kind of help them out, and uh, yeah, so that's where I kind of set up my business in St. Catharines. And I was about a year before the pandemic hit, I opened up Favel Fitness and started my business here in St. Catharines. Um, little history on that. I, you know, I worked at TRW for, for 10 to 11 years. Um, so, uh, kind of did some, some factory work. Uh, I was in retail. I worked for West 49 for 10 years, kind of in the, the brick and mortar section of, of West 49. And, uh, about five years ago, that's when I got into the technology that I use and, and helping clients, athletes, patients, um, strength train and basically strive for optimal health. Um, so anyway, I bought into this technology and a friend of mine, Brad Anderson was running energy fitness, um, uh, with AJ Netsopolis and Netsopolis family. Uh, they really believed in my technology and, and my program and they believed in my business. So they kind of gave me my first shot, um, opening up and starting Favel Fitness. So, um, Brad was great. He, he saw my, you know, my dream. He said, you know, open up a lab inside energy fitness and do, do your thing. So 
that was amazing. They set me up. Everything was going really good. I was helping athletes get to the, the OHL, the USPHL, just helping guys, you know, achieve that optimal health and, and helping athletes. And, um, so it was around December and I have my history. I have five kids. Um, I'm 49 years old. My kids Jeez. are 24, five 22. Yeah. So, so I've, I've raised some kids. I've been raising kids for a long time. I love kids. So anyway, um, my son's 22 now. I, I started working with him when he was about 12, 13. And um, he realized, you know, a little bit of strength training. He, you know, was a single A player to a double A. And, you know, when he turned 18, he realized, wow, how much better his game was just by getting stronger and, and working out. So, um, so flashback to start the business up. And um, in December, that's when um, my two young ones got sick. Uh, they uh, were sick for about a week, sick through Christmas. I kind of got sick through um, February and that's when I got better, came back to work in March. And that's when the doors were closed on everything. Um, I came into work and Brad was like, Hey, we got a public health is here. We got to, we got to shut her down for two weeks. So um, two weeks led into today. So we're here two years later. And uh, wow. uh, anyway, it was a, it was a crazy journey. Um, I just found, you know, the mandates were really something that was, was, you know, kind of hard to, to get around to try and keep people healthy. Um, the very beginning, we were, we were learning a lot um, about the virus and, you know, nobody knew which, which kind of, which way to go. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone was kind of on the fence and, oh my gosh. So um, with that, I was shut down for about two, three months. Um, like I said, my son was living here. We just, you know, get up every day. We'd shoot pucks in the driveway. We'd try to find somewhere to go where they wouldn't bother us. Uh, they were sending kids home that were shooting pucks over behind uh, West Park School. The city actually took the nets away. Then they started, um, like I said, I have five kids, my two young ones. I couldn't take them to the park. Uh, they started roping off the park. So I was like, okay. I followed all the rules. I, you know, I, I you know, I didn't want to be the shit disturber. So, um, we hunkered down and we did our thing. I, I found it a bit odd because we were all sick right before they locked my business down. So in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, well, geez, this sounds like what my family just went through. We just had. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, okay, two weeks, we'll we'll hold out the two weeks. I have a lot of money invested, you know, inside, you know, the, uh, the fitness club. And so I thought I'd wait it out, wait it out. Well, then, you know, then they started, the government started hang, handing out uh, incentives to businesses. So then I realized, okay, they're handing out some pretty good money to sit at home. Then I started realizing all the healthy people that were at home that I was working with were starting to go kind of downhill. They were losing muscle mass. They were, you know, it, them being locked down was not the optimal thing for for the, the clients that I was working right. with. And as I started to see that, I thought, geez, like, you know, I, I tried, you know, I went and, and I talked to AJ and Brad and I mean, they gave me the opportunity of a lifetime, but I had to make some decisions um, where I was going to going to put my machine and, and take my machine and try to continue to work with all these mandates. Um, being American, I found out right away that a lot of the the mandates weren't being pushed so hard in certain states. Um, so I started thinking about 
Um, the kids. Now we're six months in. I'm starting to think about the kids who can't play hockey. And man, you know what? What's going to go on if they, you know these kids are sitting at home? And I have kids, and I'm watching it. Right? They're in their rooms. They're on their computers. They're not doing any physical activity. Um, I found the, you know, I had some some young girls, hockey players, and some basketball players I was working with around 13, 14. They were affected the most, um, just being locked down in in the rooms and. I just felt I was handcuffed. I couldn't do anything with these kids because um, of the mandates, right? So um, I started looking to the U.S. and thought maybe I can help some of these kids um, continue their careers in the U.S. where kids are continuing to play hockey. So um, a friend of mine, uh, Chris Lukey, his son Dawson um, played local here and a really good player, has, has a great opportunity, but he needed to keep playing. Um, so his mad dad made a decision. We're going to the States. Um, you know, you got to make some sacrifices. You want to keep playing hockey. I mean, he literally handed his suitcase to his son through the gate at the bridge said, you know, go get him, kid. And Dawson went down to a private school in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, Gilmore Academy. And he lit it up. He was the top three in scoring at one point in North America because Canadian kids just weren't playing hockey. So uh, a friend of mine, um, Bruce Boudreaux, had just purchased a new team in uh, Hershey in the USPHL. Um, Bruce was coaching with the Minnesota Wild and um, was kind of just on semi-retirement, waiting to kind of find another team to pick him up in the NHL. But in the meantime, he had the Hershey Cubs. So I messaged him and said, listen, I have some kids who really need to continue to play hockey. I can't see them locked down. Um, could you sign any Canadian players? And Bruce said, I could sign, I'll sign any Canadian players. I said, great. As long as we can play, we're coming down. So grabbed a couple kids. I loaded up my machine and I went to Hershey, Pennsylvania and uh, did a strength test combine with the Hershey Cubs, a new team. Uh, the two players I brought down, Bruce really loved them. Um, so he signed those two Canadian kids so they could continue to play hockey. So the issue for me was I would, it was great that I was getting down to the States, but every time I entered back into Canada, um, it was an issue. So when I go to the States, I'm an American citizen. I pull up to the border and the one guy, the guy was reading a book and he looks at me and says, hey, we're closed. Border's closed. I said, hey, I'm American. He looks at me and goes, oh, all right. Like he had something to do now. So he's like, okay, where are you headed? I said, well, I'm heading down to, to New Jersey. Okay. And he asked, he said, he Are you actually coming back? Now. Yeah, it's, like, it's been so long since anybody has approached the border. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it was, it, it was pretty funny. So, so yeah, then, um, but coming back, um, it was like hazmat suits and whoa, hold it, you know, and I played by the rules. I had, you know, uh, the first time I entered with uh, Jonathan Graves, we went down, tried out in Hershey. And uh, he made the team. We were all excited. And we, we, we hit the border coming back late on the Sunday night. And um, we didn't have uh, PCR tests. Um, they had expired. But being in the States, you had to book it through Walgreens. Um, I'd phone the border, talk to them. And they said, listen, it's not a big deal. Just show up at the border. They might give you a, they might give you a ticket. So long story short, we show up at the border. Um, we're in a U-Haul. And uh, they asked for our, our PCR test. We didn't have PCR tests. So right away we get pulled in. So immigration or Canada customs, um, 
they kind of not that they don't see eye to eye with public health, but they were there. There was a little bit of a disconnect. So customs basically just go see public health. Just go. I don't know what's going on. Go see public health. Um, I didn't fill out a Rive can. I never have. Um, I always use Switch Health, but that seemed to confuse everybody at the border. So I crossed probably 10 times without even filling out a Rive can. Um, so anyway, we get back. Uh, the guy calls us in and he started going at me about social media. And I said, no, no, I'm not I'm 49 years old. I, I run my business on social media. I'm, I, you know, I'm not a social media guy. I'm not here to prove a point. I'd phoned the border earlier. I explained to the um, public health that they told me I was going to get a ticket. Well, the ticket was $4,000. So they said, well, you just got four, you just have $4,000. You're going to just throw out this ticket. Nice. Well, I, I had no choice. I was like, well, what do you want me to do? Well, you got to go back to the States. I said, no, I just drove six hours. I'm not, we're here. They told me to get the ticket. Can I, you know, can I have the ticket? And luckily my friend, Karen MacArthur, I, I, I'd called her because there was, I was getting a little nervous because I had, you know, Jonathan, a player with me. And I was like, what's going on? I'm like, well, you know, public health is going to call you. They're going to call your mom. And I was like, geez, like we just spent, you know, three days in Hershey at this camp and we didn't really have to deal with a lot of this. So anyway, um, they also told me I would get a thousand dollar fine if I didn't do the PCR test right then and there. Um, I said, well, okay, I'll, I can do the PCR test within 24 hours. I'll take it home, do it with switch health and send it in. No, we're going to give you another thousand dollars. So in the very end, the police officer has to come over and hand you the ticket. So the kid I'm with, Jonathan, just signs in Hershey. He's so excited. He's playing junior hockey in the U.S. He's going to get a full season in. It's his 17th birthday. And the police officer hands him a ticket for $4,000. So wow. I'm thinking in my head, oh, my gosh, his mom is absolutely going to snap. Kill me. Like she's going to kill me. I'm yeah. like, four grand. Wow. But, you know, talking with Karen, I, I kind of knew, all right. Karen's going to kind of help me out here. She's going to kind of guide me and I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to take it to trial and, and, and see what we can do. So anyway, he really didn't want to give us the tickets. We both got a ticket for $4,000 each. Um, needless to say, I quickly dropped Jonathan off and said, Hey, he made the team, but he got a ticket. So yeah. And so anyway, um, so his mom, you know, uh, tried to get it reduced, but um, it's still, I think going through for, they're waiting to see if oh, they actually. Oh yeah, have all that stuff's gonna get ripped up, man. They got oh. nothing. Come on. Oh, so listen to this. So, I get the ticket. So, I'm upset. I'm like, I can't believe this. I am, you know, I'm not sick. I, I've been doing tests around, you know, around the players. And anyway, so I start phoning the courthouse, um, and saying, Hey, here's my, you know, here's my case number. Um, I've set a trial, but I haven't heard from anybody. And I. Oh yeah, no, we'll, you know, we'll get a hold of you. So I wait a month. I call back to the Welland courthouse and say, Hey, here's my, you know, here's my ticket number. I've set a trial, but I haven't, you know, I've sent it in and it, it says that, yes, you've set the trial, but I haven't heard anything about dates or, you know, anything. Yeah, we know. Um, thanks for, you know, checking in with us. Usually we got to send out warrants for people. We glad, we're really glad you keep calling, but we're going to call you. Stop calling. And this was about the ticket. I'm like, okay, stop calling about the ticket. <laughs> so anyway, so month goes by, I call again. So the guy was really nice. They're, they're, they were great. He said, you know what? Listen, I'm, uh, I'm going to put you on hold for a second. I'll look into it and I'll see, you know, if, if you got a date or a trial. So he comes back and he says, hey, um, 
So there's about 1,400 cases ahead of yours. Um, they haven't even started looking at them. Wow. And he said, yeah, he goes, I, you know, I would just wait till we call you. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I'm phoning Jonathan, like, Jonathan, okay, like, don't pay this ticket. Don't pay it. You know, yeah. we have negative tests. And I was testing. As soon as I got home, I I would test. And then I would go do a rapid test. Like, I was negative. And if I was sick, you know, I was following the rules. I wasn't going anywhere. I was going to quarantine, whatever. But Nobody goes anywhere but, when they're sick. It's like this isn't common I, sense anymore. You don't, you don't want to make anybody, it, even if you got a head cold, you don't want to spread it around. Yeah. But I mean, the virus was affecting some, some people really close to me. Um, so like I said, I would never, I would never deny it. But um, as I was going to the States, it was kind of a mental clarity for me because being wrapped up here, I was like, I can't believe like, it's not going, it's not like that down there. So I kept going to the States. So I went to Idaho um, and worked with um, a friend of mine out in Idaho who has some resistance uh, training equipment. So I trained with him and uh, <clears throat> took four flights across the U.S. with a Canadian driver's license and a boarding pass. Everyone's like, oh, you can't travel. You got, you know, you need this. That. I said, I just traveled across the U.S., four airports, you know, four airplanes. All I used was my Canadian driver's license and a boarding pass. So the only issue with travel was when I hit the Canadian border. That was the only time that I was running into <clears throat> serious issues. So um, fast forward a little bit ahead. Um, I work with a kid in Toronto and um, Lachlan Wells, awesome hockey player, plays in the GTHL. Um, <clears throat> his dad's a really great guy. And so he just kind of say, hey, Corey, you know, the, the Chamber of Commerce has a program they're starting up for rapid testing. And I thought, you know what? Geez, I entered kind of the program. I put myself in the program, all the players were in. So I was testing every three days and, but it was hard to find tests. So when my friend Andrew phoned me and said, listen, you know, the Chamber of Commerce has this, this program they're launching through the provincial government. Uh, maybe you should look into it. That might be something that might help you out if, you know, since you're always testing. So um, yeah, it was an amazing program. So I went on to the Canadian Chamber of Commerce and I have my own business. So I filled out all the, um, the application for keeping your business safe um, for testing your employees. And so I thought, you know what? Okay. I've got my machine back here in Canada. Um, I'm just going to test. So I'm quarantined, but I want to know if, you know, if I'm carrying the virus or something, I want to be, be safe. Um, I test my kids cause my kids are getting sent home from school. So I just said, listen, like, here's a test kit. Stop sending them home. Just it, test them. And stop. But anyway, they, you know, I actually gave me the test kits back and said, what are, what are these for? I said, COVID. Oh, well, we're not, you know, it wasn't under their policies to test kit. They gave them back to me. Wow. Okay. Two weeks later, they were implemented in all the schools. Anyway, so I enter this program. I'm testing. I'm figuring out, you know, I'm doing a lot of testing. I'm figuring out, wow, like this is asymptomatic testing. That's what it says on the, you know, the websites for Niagara Public Health. And Niagara. so I'm following the rules, but I'm like, man, everybody's negative. Nobody's positive. Well, then I do some more research and I go out and I test one person who has COVID. Boom, positive. I'm like, okay, the test does work. I thought maybe it didn't work. I said, okay, so I find somebody else who has COVID, do a test, boom, positive. 
okay. I'm like, why are we testing asymptomatic people who aren't sick? Wow. I was like, this is, well, the test, I go, the tests work. They seem to be pretty accurate from what I'm seeing. So I reach out to the city and I say, listen, I'm seeing great progress with tracking this virus and keeping it, you know, keeping it out of, out of my workplace. Maybe we should, should do this with the schools, the high schools, um, you know, the arenas, you know, enter the program, you know, that the players are using tests. Well, we all know what, you know, they were, you know, they really, really in the beginning, they just wanted everybody to go out and, you know, get the vaccine, right? Um, I'm not anti-vax. I've seen the vaccine work on a lot of my clients. It's kept them out of the hospital. I'm not anti-vax. I've never, you know, I'm not here to discredit it at all. But my family is not vaxxed. And to this day, um, no one in my family, no one in my immediate family, myself, my kids, um, have had COVID. Because you're everyone immune. around me, everyone well, around me's had it. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm just telling you what goes on. But you feel like and, you already contracted it before the COVID thing hit, or no? Hundred percent. Okay. And that's where you know. And I talk about natural immunity, and you know, clients talk to me. It's like, there's no way you haven't had COVID. I was like, I was February 2020, uh, January 2020, and December 2019, my family was all sick. Okay. Started with every one of us. Right. I was in bed, right. you know, five days. I was like, this is weird. I even joked with my kids and went downstairs. Hey, I'm dying. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're a sock. And I was like, no, but I mean, I kind of had a fever, but what I found weird was for two, three nights in a row, I'd get up just soaking wet. Like, yeah. like I'd had a shower mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I've been sick before. But I was like, this is weird. But, um, so after a couple of weeks, it felt better. And that's when I went to work, work for a week. And then boom, the doors were shut. Um, I did, um, in kind of, as I transitioned from energy fitness, um, Jeff Gamble, who amazing guy, him and, um, Paul Skiba, uh, they own uh, Niagara health and rehab center. So the mandates were gyms are closed, essential, uh, places can stay open and Niagara health and rehab was, you know, they were an essential because, uh, with their services. So, okay. Jeff and I talked and they gave me an amazing opportunity. They said, you can move in here. We're essential. Your training is essential with the technology you use. It's, it's very beneficial for, for physio and for patients. We definitely, you know, you can come in and, and, and work. So I moved my machine in there, beautiful facility. Um, they set me up in the back of the, of the gym there. It was amazing. Um, then the mandates hit again. They start pushing a little harder on, yeah, strength trainers can't. <clears throat> They can't work. Um, so following the rules, I, you know, I had to shut down again, which nothing against Niagara Health. They gave me a great opportunity, but everybody has to follow the rules. So I had to follow the rules. I couldn't really work. So now again, I have, you know, very expensive technology that I can't have access to. So um, again, pulled the machine out, went to the States again, uh, worked, came back. And I kept getting quarantined for 14 days. Every time I came into Canada, 14 days, 14 days, 14 days. So from April till I think September, I did like, I think it was like 96 days quarantine. I've done like Dude, 130 since come like. Come on. So because I entered the program for the rapid, uh, the rapid antigen testing, um, the first, um, 
first officer that came to my house was provincial, a uh, screening officer from provincial. And so I was working in my garage. I was safe. Everyone was tested. So he starts approaching me. Uh, he had a clipboard mask and I, I kind of knew, um, okay, this is the screening officer. I'm quarantined. You know, I'm just in my garage. So I kind of approached him. He approached me and uh, I said, can I help you? He says, I'm looking for Corey Favell. I said, yeah, that's, that's me. And he said, oh, okay. And he kept walking. I said, hey, can, you know, before you come any farther, this is where I run my business. Um, can you produce a negative test for me? So he kind of looked at me and he looked at his chart and then he looks back at me and he's looking at my name. He's like, boy, I have my mask on and I'm, I'm double vaxxed. I said, no. Perfect. I said, but I need a negative test. I need to see a negative test. I said, you've probably been in a lot of houses with people quarantine. Can you just produce a negative test? So he's looking at the chart again, looking at me and he's like, because you're quarantined because you're American. I said, yep, that's the problem. My family lives here, but I keep going over to work there because apparently I'm essential. But when I come back, honest to God, the guy took his mask off and looked at his thing and he says, you know what? I apologize what's happening here in Canada. He started apologizing to me, the screening on, officer. Man. Yeah. And, and I said, I go, do you want me to test you? So you'll know going to the next house that you don't have pay? He's like, no, no, no. He goes, you keep doing what you're doing. I'll never be back. Wow. I was like, perfect. Well, doesn't the next day, two days later, I'm in my garage, training, <laughs> doors wide open. It's nice and warm out. Here comes mask clipboard a lady <laughs> it's like wow okay i just thought they were coming back federal level right so now i'm like well wait a minute this guy's making sixty-five thousand a year as a screening officer on the provincial level this guy's making sixty-five thousand dollars a year doing the exact same job on a prevent on the federal level well then the phone st- the phone starts ringing hey, this is so-and-so you're quarantined you have you know for 10 days i said well 10 days I thought it was 14. Well, no, this is the provincial government. It's 10 days. Oh, yeah. So then when the federal called, I said, wait a minute. I go, hold on here. I go, I just got off the phone with a provincial screening officer. And you called me and you're asking me the exact same questions. Like, do you guys coordinate with each other? Oh, no, it's 14 days. I don't know why provincial is telling you 10. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, this is, you know what? I'm just going to keep testing and doing my thing. And. So anyway, that's why I was like, man, these guys, these guys are making a killing at doing the same job on two different, two different levels, federal and, and provincial. So wow. anyway, long story short, they did, uh, they came another time. My daughter's here and I was negative tested. I was quarantining. I was playing by all the rules. Um, but if I wanted to, it, during the quarantine, I could go to the U.S. So if I was hungry. I can't go to a restaurant here and it was bugging me mentally. I would just hop over to Buffalo, hop over to Lewiston Jeez. and I would go get something to eat. I'd hit the border again. How long you been over? About an hour. Well, how'd you get over? I'm American. Oh, okay. Um, did you fill out a ride can? I go for what? I just went for dinner. I'm handing you my passport. And I'm telling you I'm arriving in Canada. Why do I have to fill out an app? Uh, yeah. Then it would confuse them. So no, go to your 14 days. So I'd start my 14 days all over again, which oh, was fine. I was testing and I was negative. So nobody around me, I was being safe, right? So that's what I had to do to, to kind of work. But when I did reach out locally to um, early on to um, our government here, our 
regional council and, and these guys. Um, I went on them with, hey, how come we aren't using this provincial antigen testing program? And um, Walter and I, uh, the mayor there, we had some back and forth and he just kept saying, Corey, you need to get the vaccine. You have to get the vaccine. That's the only way you're going to get vaccine, vaccine. I said, I'm not getting it. And I'm really not getting it now that I'm seeing all my clients who are getting it get COVID. Well, I haven't had COVID. So I'm thinking from what I'm seeing, if I want COVID, I'm going to go get the vaccine. So I just made my choice. I'm just going to keep testing and just do my thing. Right. I told them, I said, listen, I train a lot of kids in these local high schools. I said, they're not testing. I said, you you have rules implemented in these high schools that are, uh, we recommend. So public health and Niagara health was, was recommending that they test students who were exposed to, to COVID and they were recommending. And then when I talked to the high schools, they're like, well, no, no, we didn't test anyone coming back. I said, well, why, why not? Well, so the unvaxxed had to stay home for 14 days, even though they weren't sick, negative tested, and the vaxxed got to go back to school untested, back into the school. And I said, okay, you're just spreading the virus now. Like you're just, you're literally spreading it. I'm telling you, implement the testing. No, it's the unvaxxed that's doing it. And not, I mean, it was just, I was like, okay, this is really kind of not about a virus, right? It was you know, and then the mandates kept being pushed. And so, um, sorry, those are my dogs. Hold on. My guard dogs. Anyway, um, I must have said something bad. About awesome. um, just kidding. Hey, quiet. So, um, where is that? So I started going out about, listen, like these kids are coming in here and, you know, they're being let in the schools, exposed to code. Uh, they wouldn't want anything to do with it. Then I found out, you know, I'm working with players that, I'm testing, they're testing, we're negative, but I can't even go watch them play. Like I can't go into the arena. I can go over to Lewiston, I can go over to Buffalo, I can go to Hershey, I can go to Idaho, I can go anywhere I want, walk in the arena, but I can work with the players here, but I can't go in with a negative test. So I reached out to uh, uh, some friends and it was the Meridian Center. I said, listen, there's people going in there with COVID, but they have the vaccine. They think they're not, you know, it's it's spreading. Well, no, that's, you know, we we contact trace and i'm like well i'm not contact trace i'm tracing the actual virus and i'm seeing that all the healthy people are sitting at home and people infected with the virus are not being tested and they're being let into the arena so i'm like i was very frustrated and i was like you know what this isn't so um the testing went out the window. They didn't want to do the testing. No one wanted to test. It was, you know, I found with the testing, they were just kept pushing me for the vax, pushing me for the vaccine. And I just said, you know what, I'm not, you know, I've seen, you know, a, a few mild cases of, of uh, <clears throat> enlarged heart, irregular heartbeats uh, with, a, with a couple athletes that, that I was working with. So I just made my choice of, um, you know, I haven't been sick. Maybe if I have the antibodies, I'm going to continue with being safe with testing um, and using it on my family and keeping my family safe. So um, I've been exposed many times and knock on wood, um, I haven't tested positive. I I actually started testing again because I thought maybe I would have the virus and not know. Um, So, and I, you know, so that's why I kind of started testing in, but 
it just seems the the whole testing kind of went out the window. Yeah, we don't really need to do it anymore. And I don't know. I just kind of follow, you know, our, our local hospital. I don't really care what's going on in Toronto. Whether I just I just kind of following my local hospital and you know seeing what was going on in there. My kids, I was in the hospital all night Christmas Eve for 24 hours with my eight year old. Um, I was unvaxxed. They put me in a section with unvaxxed with probably four other people who had COVID. So they put me negative tested in with four people with COVID because I wasn't vaxxed. So it was like, okay, well now you want me to get it. Oh, it was just, it was just a disaster. Um, I, my daughter, her boyfriend tested positive for COVID. She had the exact same symptoms. They're 20 years old. They basically live together. She never got it. Like I, you know, and she's on back. So I just was like, I don't know. Then when we got to the hospital, uh, I took her in the one night. She's like, ah, you know what? She was scared. She thought, oh, you know, I, I'm negative, but I don't know. Tell, you know, if you watch the news, I'm going to die. So I said, I'll take you to the hospital. Took her to the hospital, walk in, we check in and um, said, yeah, I got a negative test. She's got a neg negative test, but she's, you know, she's congested and she's, um, she's sick. She's not feeling well, but she keeps negative testing. So we go in, doctor does blood work. No, you're negative. Looks at all her numbers and her blood work and says, you know what? You're like one of the healthiest kids in this hospital. Stand up. We're going to give you some, um, they gave her a therapeutic, uh, azithromycin. And here you go. You're on your way. Four or five days later, she's fine. The next day, um, her boyfriend went to the hospital here, the emergency he has COVID. So he checks in and says, Hey, I have COVID. I'm having trouble breathing. Okay. Grab a seat. He's like, okay. Like I have COVID. It's pretty busy. Yeah. Grab a seat. Sits down in the waiting room with COVID beside little Timmy, who's got a separated shoulder. And now he's sitting by a guy with COVID. So he actually, my daughter told me, so I was like, no. So I, I actually drove to the emergency and I walked in and I said to the girl, I said, I was in here last night with my daughter. Was I exposed to COVID? Was someone beside me? Did they have COVID? Because you're sitting people with COVID beside people who don't have COVID. Well, that's private information. I said, okay, if we go out that door, it's not private information. You can, everyone's asking for everybody's, you know, medical information. So I said, well, oh, the guard kind of looks at me, the guard walks away. He's like, oh geez, I know what's going on here. The guard walks away. So I look back and I see Lucas in the emergency room. He's looking, I'm like, does anybody know that there's people in here with COVID? Everyone's like, there's no way. I go, there's people in here with COVID. People are like now standing, like they're kind of looking like, no way. I'm like, yeah. The nurse tells me at the desk with her shield and her mask. And she says, well, it's all the, it's backed up with all the cardiac patients. I'm like, okay, so it's filled in the emergency with cardiac patients back there. And you're putting the COVID patients out in the waiting room. So yeah, it was, they were just staring at me now. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave. <laughs> I left. No one ever saw him. He just got up and left my daughter's boyfriend. He ended up just leaving. So as I was like, wait a minute, I'm locked down. I'm losing my business. I'm following these mandates, but it doesn't seem like a big deal in the hospital here. And everyone's, you know, I, anyway, so I was just physically seeing what kind of was going on. I was like, you know what? So I just started doing my own thing. And, um, you know, I wear my mask where people ask me to wear my mask, but I always had a negative test. I wasn't sick. Um, 
I started going to restaurants. There was some restaurants were like, listen, as long as you're negative tests, we like, we're getting killed. We need business. So, you know, I started going out in the community, but I'm healthy. I, that's, I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. So, um, long story short, still got the 4,000 ticket I'm waiting for. Um, <laughs> they tried to give me a 6,000. Uh, the last time I tried to enter Canada, uh, my flights were delayed in, uh, I think it was, it was Chicago. So I flight late coming out of Florida, missed the flight in Chicago. So now I'm, a, you know, I'm hours behind. So my PCR test expired. So I get to the border, said, Hey, I have a rapid antigen test. Said, oh, well, we need, we need a molecular. I said, well, it's opposite for flying than land, land and, and air, air travel and land is right. completely different. So I said, okay, well, I don't have the molecular test, but I do have the antigen. Here it is. It's negative. No, you got to go back to the U.S. I said, well, I'm not going back to the U.S. I, you know, I played this game. I'm with Switch Health. I'm part of the provincial testing program. No, $6,000 fine. I said, okay, well, if I don't have the 225 to go back and do the PCR test, where when I came out of the airport, there's tents everywhere. $225 PCR test, you know, 20. So I asked the kid in Buffalo at the airport. I walked by, I go, hey, what the, do you guys work for like Buffalo Health or do you work for the airport? Like, no, there's a bunch of dudes who have these tests sitting up, making a killing off you Canadians. I was like, okay. I said, well, I'm doing the same thing back home. I'm doing the, the rapid antigen tests and I'm testing all the people working for the city. They're handing in the invoice. The city is paying me to test healthy people. I was like, okay, that's the gig I'm doing. They're doing the same thing over in Buffalo. And then I passed three tents on the way to the border. Hey, 225. Border guy, hey, go back, pay 225. I said, I'm not paying 225. I have my test. It's antigen. We need molecular. I said, give me the ticket. He's like, well, you know, $6,000. You guys said, no, I can't afford $6,000, but I don't really have an option. So, you know, and so he goes back inside and this is not customs. Customs wants nothing to do with it. They send you to public health, so public health. Then the guy comes out and, oh, you're getting a warning. I said, okay, thank you for the warning. Like, um, it's just a nightmare. So then I realized I'm arriving without filling out a Rive can every time. So then I started looking into a Rive can. And my point was when I arrive in Canada, I'm handing you my passport and I'm telling you I'm arriving in Canada and you're, hey, Corey's arriving in Canada. Why do I have to do it again? Why do I have to, well, so I spent an hour on the phone the other day with the federal level of public health, and they couldn't tell me why. Well, it's the law. So why well, don't, is it really law? Because when I hand in my passport and I say, here, I'm entering Canada, no, you have to, you have to fill it out. So I don't know what's going on. People are still, you know, there was a couple the other day, um, older couple don't have cell phones. They're not, they're not in tune with smartphones. They don't have $12,000. For two people coming back from Florida, it's twelve thousand dollars, six thousand each, because they didn't know how. To, they're negative tested. They're not sick. They don't. So that's I was like, wow, something very odd is you know going on, and you know, I just found the people that were healthy were becoming unhealthy. So I just yeah, it was tough because you know the the division that was happening with you know that's a I was trying to tell you know our mayor I was like you're creating division between like I go to the store and people are spraying me with stuff. Like these people think that like I'm killing people and I'm like, no, I, no, I have a negative test. It doesn't matter. I'm like, 
what do you mean it doesn't matter? So I started asking, like, well, can you explain to me why you're so scared of me? Well, so you, you, you know, you didn't have a mask on. I go, yes, but I'm negative. I have a negative test. You know that. You know what I do for a living. You know I test like all the players. Oh, yeah, it was scaring the shit out of me. They would spray, like they'd spray disinfectant. I said, that's the division that's going on. The healthy people are just deemed whatever, sick, uh, rebellious, non-compliant. I don't know. I just, it, it, it was frustrating. I was just lucky that I was American. I could keep going to the States and, you know, feeling some freedom and going to a restaurant without, you know, feeling like I had to cover my face or, you know. Yeah. Um, it was just, and like I said, just people say, well, I'll just wear your mask. But I'm telling you, if you look at these kids mentally, um, what it's doing to people, I have five kids. I mean, my, my six-year-old, he's in grade one, but he's barely been through, you know, JK and SK. And now he's having, you know, not issues, but he doesn't pronounce his words properly. Well, no one's seen his mouth for three years. Jeez. You know, now he's in grade one. It's like, well, yeah, he's not forming words probably with his tongue, but who was ever going to fix it? Because you couldn't see his mouth for three years. And the amount of times they, they sent him home from school, he's in grade one. I'm like, he's barely been to senior kindergarten or junior kindergarten. So, you know, what's happening with the education? Plus, you know, the, the mental stress that was going on. Like I said, I have five kids. I work with kids. I just saw how the mandates were just, crushing healthy people um it, it i don't know it was heartbreaking like you know but um virus i've seen you know some of my good friends have you know succumbed to the virus but it's i i don't know i'm just two years later my family hasn't had it we're unvaxxed i'm exposed to it steady I get it and go tomorrow that was a hey, final destination i'm not trying to cheat anything that's yeah. i mean but i'm since i've been 20 years old i've been really trying to work on my health mm-hmm. and you know um i found the healthier kids all the kids that i was training who hey i got i have covid I'm like okay you can't come in today how you feeling well, I'm, I'm feel fine I'm like, okay, well, you still can't come in. Let me know. And then I found as you were testing, the line got lighter and lighter and lighter as your symptoms went away. So okay. they would test. And like, as soon as the line's gone, like, come on back. But I would train kids the next day. Hey, I had COVID. I'm like, okay. So I'd shut down for 72 hours and okay, I don't have it. Okay. Open back up again. But it just seemed to be with the younger, the healthier kids, the symptoms were just boom, there and gone. Right. You know, and they recovered a lot faster. Um, in you know the beginning, what? I worked with what? that's that's right. Well, first of all, the, sorry, I talk a lot. <laughs> well, first, well, I should say, first of all, I'll go backwards. Uh, first of all, that is the greatest single open I've ever seen on this show. We're 47 minutes in, and I can't believe that story is nothing short of fantastical. And now you have the the privilege, I hate that word now, but of being yeah. a dual citizen a citizen, yep. a citizen, a dual citizen that has been able to freely go across the border and see both sides of it and experience because you're a business owner and experience in yep. the lockdowns and, and had antigen tests on you all the time. I've never tested. I've never masked. I've never quarantined. I've never traveled across the border though, either. So you've got probably one of the most amazing stories because of your mobility 
and the fact that you're a dual citizen. So, you know, like I'm, I'm really, you know, I never know why I have people on the show. I mean, Josh told me I have, I saw you in the comments section when I was talking. Josh is to, great. Him and I played in a band together. Greatest Lord, kid in the world. I love Lord him. freedom. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know why I was interviewing him, but what a great interview. And he's such a radical monster. Like, you know, yeah. this this, this Viking looking, you know, like, and it was, it was a, just a great show. So when I saw you in the comments section of the show, I'm like, I think I know this guy. So, and then, uh, you know, um, you, you really, you put it succinctly because of all your availability to experience it, to get the tickets, to see what it was going on. And I think that like, I just learned a whole lot about what's going on because I mean, I haven't changed, I'm a broadcaster. I've got a strong opinion on stuff and I haven't changed my mind on any of this stuff since it started. Um, but you I, really put yeah. it succinctly with all your experiences and, the, and you know, how many times you figure you've tested them and how much are these tests? Well, that's okay. So when I first started getting into with um, Dr. Herji and, and Walter, we had some communication back and forth and um, Walter said, you know what, maybe he's right. Maybe this testing is some. So he went to Herji and forwarded, you know, my emails and said, Hey, Here's what this guy's doing. Here's the provincial program. He came back with, heard you came right back with, you'll get three to 400 false positives. Well, I've tested myself three to 400 times and I've never had a false positive. I've tested hundreds of people and I've never had a false positive. So I just thought, okay, well explain, like, where did you see the false positives? I, yeah, the communication got cut off, went silent. I said, well, there's, there, there's no way that, these false well so then i took a test and i just ran it under the water without taking a step out of the procedure i took the buffer away didn't use the buffer and i ran underwater well it's positive well so if you don't use them properly yeah you can get a false positive ah, I um, gotcha. so then they start handing them out to kids like candy and the thing i'm like well, you're not even monitoring it these kids are going home with buffer that you know looks like eye drops that you know right. could probably kill you if you took it now they're hitting i'm like Nobody's monitoring it. Mm -hmm. Well, here's here's the trick. The government's giving you, you know, 250 bucks a kid every time they're home. So, oh, man. Boom, put it underwater. Oh, positive. My kid's staying home. I get 250. So, so I was the like, stories oh of uh, strawberries testing positive for COVID are actually true. As if tap Beer, water. Yeah, <laughs> but like you said, if you're doing a scientific experiment and you right. take, you know, take one of the procedures out, it's... It, it's not proper. You've, you're not doing it properly. So yeah, it's, it's a false positive, but it's not even, you're not even performing the procedure properly. So wow. um, that's when I was like, okay, yeah, you can manipulate these tests, but if you use them properly, there is no way you'll get a false positive. Um, I never had someone test positive that was sick. I, everyone tested positive with COVID. So that's what I was trying to explain to them. Like, well, that's, that's 100% wrong. Well then, you know, that's when I got into, okay, you know, everyone kept telling me, you got to go to your MP, you got to go to your MP. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to book, uh, Rebecca Hahn was great. She really walked me through a lot of stuff. I got to give big props to her because she, uh, I just wanted to lay low and she kind of kept, you know, Corey, you got, you know, you got to say something. You got to, That you know. was my next question. How did you ever get to a point? I know you brought a delegation and a presentation to regional council and I can't like, who wants to do that? I mean, I public speak for a living basically, and I would never want to go before those clowns. I wanted to know where he got the false positives. I wanted to know 
I had questions with what he was putting out in, in, in the standard. I couldn't believe like, you know, I grew up in this town. I have so much respect for, you know, the Burgoyings and everyone who, you know, ran the standard and the it's standard. No, like, it's no Burgoying standard anymore, bro. That's no. long well, I, yeah. I go in and buy the standard. I buy them all and I throw it in the garbage. Cause I just, I can't believe what I'm reading on the front of the <laughs> paper. Cause it's going exactly against everything. I'm like, this is, this is causing the division. That's what I was trying to yeah. tell Hergy and, and Walter I said, it's causing division. That's what you guys are. You're just dividing everyone. And you know what? I was trying I, to I failed. That. I failed to believe. I failed to believe that this. You know, I'm not much in the conspiracy theories, but this yeah. seems like it's the, the fix has been in since the beginning. And I really, I don't think that. Well, I always said that these people aren't that clever or that devious or that evil, but. There's more and more people coming out talking about the WEF and Schwab and the Great Reset and, you know, guaranteed annual incomes. And, you know, it, it's, you know, I don't want to get too p political here, but, you know, somebody said the other day, you know, how quickly people started masking. And, and I brought this up many times. We, in August two years ago, they passed it at the regional level. And it was where you can't social distance indoors, wear a mask. And the next day, people in their cars alone and walking down the beach were wearing masks. And I'm like, you know, my, my faith in humanity has been crushed because I can't believe that that many people just bought into, with no scientific research, that they work, there's gaps all over them and all this kind of, this will probably get me shut down from YouTube as well, but you know, um, like, and so it, it, it broke me in more than like one way because I just feel like I'm intensely political and I, I feel hopeless about the politics that are going on, especially in the States, but now in Canada, I can't even believe where we've come from. And now I don't like, I don't know where it goes from here, but uh, anyway, we went from people using masks where they didn't need them with no proof that they worked to um, putting the um, Ukrainian flag on their profile. Yeah, I'm not taking sides in the war in Ukraine. Yeah. I know very little about it. I did have yeah. a guy come on my show that explained it very well about how <laughs> they back Putin into a yeah. corner with NATO and stuff like that. And I didn't know the history. And he, he like, I learned a lot on that show too, but it just... It's almost like they're training you for the next time they want you to do something. And nobody told anyone to put Ukraine flags up. And now you see the brutality that's going on in Ukraine. That ain't yeah. no democracy over there, dude. Like, I, I, I'm a guy who tends to like, I want to worry about me, my town, where I'm coming from. Is like, yeah, because, you know, and we do have so much information out there. Mm -hmm. You can go and research it, right? Mm -hmm. So if I want to learn about, okay, well, what? what is going on in the UK, you know, back in the day, well, we'd go to the library and we'd read up on it, read up on it. Well, the internet, yeah, there's, you know, lots of different sites. There's lots of different information. So you kind of have to pick through it and kind of make your decision. But when I make my decision, I don't force it on other people. I don't try to convince other people. I just, I make my decision. I just try to keep myself sane and happy. Whatever's going on over there. Yeah. I'm worried about here. Um, I'm in the U.S. a lot. It's, it, I love talking to the military over there. When I fly back, I, I chat their ears off. And yeah, I mean, they're kind of, you know, 
they're at the point where they're, you know, they're very political. They, they, you know, the military really is for the people. We, they fight for the people. They don't fight for the government. They fight for the people. So I was just, you know, I really loved, you know, the way the, uh, the Americans kind of, I don't know. I necessarily handled it. Each state was different, right? Yeah. yeah. You go into New York. Well, we uh, saw know. the differences in the states that didn't do much of anything. Yeah. And, so you uh, go into New York City, everyone's got masks on, the mandate. You go a little bit outside to the smaller, you know, the outskirts, the smaller towns. Nobody, you know, not a lot of people are, are wearing the masks. And like I said, small town and, you know, um, down in Pennsylvania, you hit those small little old wartime towns and people weren't, you know, weren't, weren't wearing masks or people weren't, they weren't so scared, right? I think that's maybe the word I'm looking for. They weren't so scared, right? In Canada, people were, are scared. They're, yeah. they're scared. Yeah. And, they're, and, I, and I'm, an, I'm, I'm a jerk because I'm not scared. Right. So, and yeah. I'm not, but I mean, I test every day, every time. Hey, do you need a mask? I'm like, I don't know. Do you need a test? Like I have a negative test. I don't, you know, I, I can wear one. And anytime anyone asks me to wear a mask, I put a mask on. I got you, my hair cut the you other put day. Those blue surgical masks on your face. Or you those, gotta... yeah, those ones. Yeah. I wouldn't, I, the calm, I, you know, I, whatever it was, you know, I had a couple cool ones in the beginning. I got a I neck gaiter. It's nylon. And if I ever, you know, because when I came to the Dominican Republic, I was not yeah. going to a Dominican jail. So if they, you know, and I had to put it on to go into the bank yeah. to open up an account, but no, well, when you travel down so, here, yeah. they only wear the mask like this over their mouth. I, I mean, still, it's, I, it's I, it's people, they're down like this. And I'm like, I don't even, like, I don't even know what, to say anymore i don't know i put one on to get my hair cut the other day she thanked me for oh thank you so much you're putting your mask on it's like no problem i'm courteous when i left and took it off there was like i had to cut my hair around my ears like i was like okay like no big deal it's and wow. i cut my hair felt bad it's like but you know what they want me to wear it i wear it i um, feel sad i just Dude. i'm not getting a vaccine because i haven't seen um I haven't been sick. <laughs> so I, and I've been exposed many, many, many times. So anyway, not, not against it, but I just, all right, here's a hard cut. Let's get the fuck off this, man. This is, this is amazing conversation, but uh, you mentioned a lot of great people. I just want to acknowledge the Nitsopolis family. What a great family. AJ, awesome. I knew AJ before he was too young to run anything. And now the dude <laughs> is like a, like a straight up stud in business. Like, I mean, I'm so proud of that yeah. kid. And so and, I'm glad to hear that you're connected and gamble. I mean, I know a lot of these guys that you were mentioning and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's switch it up. Let's let's uh, talk about the podcast. First of all, I, I don't know if you know this, but I've been a Flyer fan since I was five. And oh, okay. I lo- yeah. like the broad, the broad Street <laughs> Bullies were my boys. And I stayed a Flyer fan. I've never been another hockey fan. Always a Flyer fan. And I'm loyal as the day is long. I just, and I, and I don't watch hockey anymore. I said, I think I, I joked the other day. I did. I wasn't joking. Batman yeah. actually ruined the NHL. Like it's unwatchable now because of the, and I know you get this in the NFL and I'm more a football fan now anyways, but I know you get this in the NFL a little bit where the, you know, well, you don't get it so much in the NFL, but in the NHL, I just found that the good games were so far and few between like the good back and forth games that were just unbelievable were just like every 20 games or 30 games. The, you know, the you had the left wing lock and the neutral zone trap. And then, and then they started, you know, you can't, you know, there's no interference. And then you can't, they, they took the intimidator out. You couldn't, instigator you couldn't, rule. Yeah, the, the instigator, instigator rule. That's it, exactly. So I just, I can't watch it anymore. But uh, uh, when I came to football, 
I just naturally gravitated towards Philly and I'm a dire high, like I'm Eagles fan, like you won't believe. And Randall Cunningham was the quarterback, so I just stayed Philly all the way. So, anyways, and I've had Riley Cote on the show a couple oh, times. Riley, Nasty yeah. Knuckles, you know, hemp, uh, healing hemp. Um, just a solid, solid dude. And what he's done for the hemp industry. You know what? I never thought that in the States, marijuana would be legalized before industrial hemp goes, uh, as the story goes. But, yeah. Well, it's I mean, state to state. Yeah, you, right. Like, but, Riley's in Pennsylvania, so he's in a uh, – it's not so legal in Pennsylvania. Yeah, but, but industrial hemp, you still can't grow the stuff. And it's weird. In Canada, you can't sell CBD, which isn't even a drug. In the States, it's wide open. You can sell it anywhere. I mean, we can't in- – we can't even import it into Dominican Republic. I'm, I'm looking into seeing if, it, you know, I got a few contacts. Maybe they can ask around. I, I think it's a long shot. But CBD is such a, it's like a miracle. And yeah. in Canada, you have to be a certified and approved drug seller to sell CBDs. And I've been in the industrial hemp business since one. Brad Sheen and I started Nature's Hemp, and the, the yeah. best thing you can put in your body is essential fatty acids. I, I don't need to tell you that. And it's if you have a CVD, a heart attack, or a stroke, the best thing you can do is eat hemp oil immediate after. You can get away with fish oil or whatever, but the balance of a three six nine in the hemp oil, you know. And I should have been on this, but you know, I was yeah. more political and stuff like this. But like. You want to talk about staying healthy during flu season? Eat hemp oil every day. Your immune system is tight because it 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 just replenishes the cell the cell membranes made out of essential fatty acids. So is your brain. So is a lot of your blood. You know, like yeah. First off, Riley, what he's done opening the eyes of of the NHL mm-hmm. and the Players Association for. Um, helping players. But he's transition. been taking a shit kicking too. He took a shit kicking in Philadelphia with Hextall and stuff. At some points in time there, he was the monster too, right? He did. Um, Philadelphia, you know, I, once Ed Snyder passed away, you know, mm. everything, you know, the statue came down, you know, a, a lot of stuff really started happening. I know the statue and, came you know, down. Why? Oh, um, yeah, they took the statue of Kate Smith down. Oh, because she was. Yeah, I don't know. Same. But um, need to go when there. Riley, what, and because I really connect with Riley because, you know, it's a whole nother podcast, but uh, my oldest daughter was misdiagnosed at 14 and she was just given pills. Here's a pill. Here's a pill. Here's a pill. Well, by 19, you know, I'm spending, you know, half my, you know, half my life in the, you know, the psychiatric ward with my daughter. Wow. And at 19, when I got, when I finally got her out of there and I said, you we're going the medicinal cannabis way. You're getting your license. No shit. And never turn back. She's wow. You know, we have our ups and downs, but ever since I got her off those, and they would kick me out of the hospital. Why oh, you're giving your daughter street drugs? I said I told you I was giving her CBD. Well, THC causes schizophrenia. I said, Shut please up. tell me you know the difference between CBD and THC. Well, no. And I, I was like, give me my daughter relief. But anyway, that was. So I was, I saw the benefits of the CBD and the, the medicinal cannabis. Mm-hmm. And then Riley was my biggest fan. So the 40th anniversary of the Flyers, they flew my dad yeah. down. I went with him. I'm like, I'm going with you. Cool. Private jet out of Buffalo, getting to Philly. Um, Joe Cadillac meets us there. No. It's the just forever. Yeah. Joe Cadillac's like, come on, we're going to go. I'm going to give you a tour of the room. The game's at seven. Cool. It's like three in the afternoon. They're like, hey, here's, you know, whatever. So. We walk in and um, uh, I think uh, can't remember. Ken Hitchcock was coaching. So we walk in, hey, Ken, oh, hey, you know, 
We go into the room. Well, here's Riles in the room. It's three in the afternoon. He's got the hair and he was a rookie. <laughs> we just made the team. Oh, so really? he was like, oh yeah, he's breathing fire. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? That's so nasty knuckles okay. right there, like, baby. Yeah, that was Riley Cohen. I'm like, I've never seen this guy play. Never heard of him, but I fucking love that he's here this early. He's Jack. I didn't even know he's, he was the tough guy. Yeah, and, and I always loved the tie. I love the Dave Brown. Tell he's tattooed head to toe. He looks like a I tough guy. I, I don't think he had any back then. Oh, really? But um, so anyway, we watched the game. You know, whatever it goes in, that was against the Rangers. Anyway, so that was my first interaction with with Riley. So he goes through his whole career, and I loved him. The guy yeah. was oh, just yeah. oh, yeah. he won you know two punch Tucker in oh, Toronto. Man, just, man. Like, this guy's yeah. And he scored on Carey Price, his only goal in the NHL. I tease him about that all the time. Carey Price says hello. (laughs) Hey, that's – he did it. He made it. I mean, that was probably the easiest thing he ever had to do was score a goal, right? (laughs) (laughs) Fighting is the hardest – you know, mentally, it's the the hardest thing in the game. So, anyway, I was a big fan. And then when he transitioned from the game, I was like, oh, wait a minute, this guy's like cannabis and, and, and the CBD. And I'm like, Shit, he's he knows what he's doing. He's meditating. He's doing, and he's looking great. He's not looking like one of these guys who got handed a you know a handful of pills and hey, I know alcohol calms you down. We'll try some of these. And and he just, could have very yeah. easily paid the price with CTE too. I think hemp saved him, right? I mean, like I think a hundred percent. And I find it for recovery with my athletes and just strength training and recovery. I do tons of tests with with um, uh, one of my guys, Gerald Major was. You know, he was uh, arthritis, um, ankylosing spondylitis. But for pain management, he had to really use a lot of cannabis, a lot of CBD. Mm-hmm. But man, the gains I was getting out of this guy is like because his body recovers yeah. with in a relaxed state like that. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of tests with it. It's pretty pretty interesting. But I'm you know, like I said, I'm not a drinker. I don't drink. It was know, always have, my uh, my goal, even back in twenty uh, two thousand one to have an EFA CBD combo. I don't think there's one out there, but you need to take them both every day. You know what I mean? And I was on CBD for a little while, but and I was on the EFAs. You know what? I took EFAs for maybe 10 years on and off, but mostly I would put it in my power drink every day at the end, stir it with a spoon so the blades didn't damage the oils and stuff like that. And I think I, think I got lasting gains that I'm still benefiting from that dosing, even though I haven't taken it now and probably a year i think like i recover from colds quicker my 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 cuts heal quick you know i I remember my brother and i got the same cold a few years ago and he was down for seven eight days and i was over it in three i know it was the same cold because it was same symptoms started out with a headache then i get a cough then i get the sneezes and then i was done and my brother had it for almost a week and a half and i was done in three days and i was like Man, this 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 hemp oil is working, and there was no CBDs in it, just DFAs, just essential fatty yep. acids. Yeah, uh, and like I said, man. even just for industrial, like why are we not using this? Industrial, everyone right? should have a bottle of it in their fridge, and that's yeah. the first thing you know. And you know, we've all got women in our lives, or <laughs> most of us do. No. Uh, <laughs> that you know what I mean? That's the greatest thing you can give them you know, for, yeah. for their monthly cycles because, and, and, and Brad Sheen, uh, uh, sister Dana, she's no longer with us now. God bless her soul. But she had a horrible monthly cycle. And when she was on the, uh, hemp oil, 
she was like way better. Like, I mean, pain and mental, like, like it was just horrible. And she was just one of those unfortunate women. Some get it easy. Some have a a hard time with it. And and Dana had a real hard time with it. And she only like when she ran out, she'd notice it. And we're like, dude, dude, don't run out. Like, because, you you know, you wake up in the morning, your back doesn't hurt. You don't go, oh, my my back feels great today. You wake up and your back hurts. You're like, oh, I'm hurting today. So it's really weird that you don't notice yourself getting better because everything just, you just don't notice it because everything feels good. But when you stop taking it, man, it's it's like, you know, you can drop it off the bridge when you've got severe conditions. And and it goes to mental state and, you know, immune system and all that kind of stuff. So many things, CBDs. It's, uh, I'd love it's to do. Look, I'd love to look at the numbers to see with you know CBD and, and cannabis users, mm. what um, if, if if they've you know what their symptoms were like with with the virus or if they because I know well, my here's one, another um, thing you know I you know I thought that smokers would be really harshly targeted by COVID and they weren't. You know, people weren't saying if you're a smoker you're going to die, and smokers were not, and marijuana smokers are even less um, uh, are more resistant to it. But yeah, I just figured that the smokers would really have a hard time with it, and yeah. it you know the stats just didn't bear it out. The smokers were just you know they, yeah. I'm not saying it was helping them, but they weren't dying in, in disproportionate numbers, you know. Yeah. And you'd think they would I, be from a from yeah. a respiratory disease. It's crazy, yeah. I know. Like, um, like I said, we kind of kind of no, learned no, a lot no, the last two years, and that's why I said that. Uh, that's why I was back into that conversation again. Yeah, I know, but that's why I always say was. You know, what was it like? I said, the biggest struggle for me was the mandates. It wasn't the virus. Mm. With my family, with the, you know, it wasn't, it was the mandates that well, were. Well, what it was for cost. me is when I, when I interviewed uh, Shandor, and I've told this story many times, and I don't know if you know Shandor, but uh, yeah. he, yeah, he liked a, my tweet today, which is uncommon for him. He doesn't, you know, but whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're friends, and uh, I didn't know him. Uh, he, he was hassling me when he was the Brock bug or whatever to get on the show, and I was, you know, I don't get into Brock politics, but then when he did the scrape for truth and I just started, I don't know how I got introduced to him, but I interviewed him and uh, I went out and I met his kid. I think he was about 18 months old. And he said to me, Jimmy, he goes like, my kid's going to be like, he's going to be almost two years old when this mandate ends. And who knows? (laughs) We know they're going to extend it. And other than my wife and our parents, he will not have seen a human expression other than ours. And my heart broke on the street right there. And I'm like, I'm all, I'm, you know, I say I do this for the kids. I don't have any, but it's all about the kids. And I, it's going to be decades before we are present to the impact of the damage that we've done to kids by putting masks on them. And, you know, I saw a kid the other, uh, about a year and a half ago, I was outside of Lakeport Fish and Chips. And he was probably from one of the lower income houses and, he, you know, he was pushing a stroller and he was kind of a rough looking kid. And he had about a two year old in the stroller. And uh, I make eye contact with the kid and, I, you know, I love kids. So I'm always staring him down and talking to him. <laughs> and I say to this kid, I said, you want to go? You think you're better than me? You and me. Let's go like this. And the kid's kind of <laughs> looking at me like this. And his dad just laughs at me and he pulls out a mask and he puts it on this two year old kid's face. And he says to me, well. It's not going anywhere. I might as well get them used to get them used to this mask. Ah, and I, I didn't say anything, but ah. my heart fucking broke, you know. And even at church, when I went back to church after they lifted the mandates, you know, you see cute little Greta come in, and or maybe it wasn't Greta, maybe Greta wasn't. Greta, but the, you, these are the, my beautiful, cute kids, 
and yeah. it broke my heart to see them masked. And I don't think we'll we'll know for decades the damage we've done to them. And that's well, the and most I, unfortunate thing. But we've all paid a price mentally. And, uh, and now, you talk about the division, man. We've all lost friends and family because we stuck to our guns or because or because you were a sheep in our eyes or whatever. Like, I, I'm, I try not to judge. You want to take the shot. You want to wear a mask. That's fine. Just leave me the fuck alone. That's what I keep saying. Uh, I just want to be left alone. Just yeah. don't, bug, you know. And so it's, it's been an absolutely horrible time. And I, I don't even want to ask the question of what you think is coming because – I don't think any of it's good, to be honest with you. But uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what you went through, having five kids, yeah. you know, and having a business like that. Like, I mean, I was broadcasting. I was selling some real estate. Well, not very much real estate, but my life didn't change all that much. You know, yeah. I was a kind of a a loner, anyways. I was used yeah. to isolating. So yeah, it kind of hurt because I couldn't go see my bands and stuff like that. But when, when the Vax came out and my favorite band started, you know, the venues that they were playing at started insisting that I had a shot. I'm like, this fucking sucks. So when my government <laughs> said you can't leave the country without a shot, I, I had like yeah. a couple weeks. I got my shit together and I left one week before the mandate came in. And I hope they lift it soon. But it's heartbreaking. All of it. It's too bad. Honestly, I don't. When you the U.S. border, I don't. I don't. Sometimes they may not ask you if you're. Yeah, vaccinated. I got a buddy that's, I, that's in Dominican Republic right now. That on June, or sorry, January second or something, he drove across and he had his paperwork. I'm not going to, you know, yeah. wasn't probably legit or whatever. But uh, he, they said, "Where are you going?" He said, "Florida." How long? Three weeks. Go ahead. That was it. Yeah. He just drove yeah. clean through. It was no problem. Yeah. And this is I in know. January. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I started um, Canadians who had. Uh, houses down in Florida, they could only fly down. Nobody could cross the border. Canadians right. couldn't cross the border. So right. I said, "Hey, I'm American. I'll drive your car." So these, oh, nice. They start, yeah. So I was. Guys were flying. I'd go over to the Niagara Falls airport. I'd take their car here, go to the Niagara Falls airport. Boom, they'd fly in. And one guy even told me, "Hop back on the plane. My pilot will drop you off in Niagara on the Lake." I'm like, "No, I got to cross by land. I'm doing everything legit." I got to cross by Good land. You, I got to do my 14 day quarantine. I'm not going to fly in unannounced. Wow. So, yeah. So I was, you know, and I drove uh, Helen Rombo's car down to Florida for her, picked her up at the airport, stayed down. Helen Rombaum. I haven't heard that yeah. name in a long time. She's an old relaxation <laughs> yeah. friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's a great lady. So I drove her car down and then, yeah. So I was taking American and Mike Palmatier is, Hey, I haven't been down. I'm like, I'll drive your car. He's like, is Palmatier still a Remax agent? I don't know. He just golfed with my dad okay. a couple of days ago. They golfed yeah. again this week. So he's right down there. So I don't know. He fishes a lot. He's got a fishing boat. I think he had his fishing boat in like uh, the beacon for a little bit there. And then uh, I know he's in Florida now, but um, this is a good segue. I was always yeah. Bernie Perrant in net, but, <laughs> but I had a great glove. And when, when, when I, when the, when I made a great glove save, I was Paul Mateer. Paul Mateer. But, yeah. 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 Um, how the hell do I get uh, Bertie Prant on my show, dude? And tell me about the podcast. Um, okay, so yeah, Kim and I um, kind of through the lockdowns, we really started connecting. We thought, mm -hmm. you know, just because of the history with our dads and um, Kim's exact same age as me. We both have five kids. Um, we just had a real great, great connection and a great history there that we thought we'd start up the podcast and, and get some... Uh, former players on that, that played with our dads or, you know, had interactions with them. So, um, yeah, it was going good. And then, um, so what's like it, said, about, what's it about though? Like, what are you talking? You just talking sports? Just, or I, you're just yeah. It's kind of, 
like I said, okay, so we had um, Ray Shiro on. So Ray Shiro's dad coached the Flyers, won the Cup. So we wanted to get, you know, his view is, you know, you were 12 years old. We were, you know, two. Yeah. What was it like as, as a 12-year-old when they won the Cup, you know? And your dad was just like, oh, yeah, you're playing mini sticks. And I always put Bernie's mask on. And so just those stories we really loved getting out. And cool. I loved hearing – Kim's stories because her dad never got traded, right? He was no, damn straight. He was flyers, still a legend, right? legend. Oh, he's, yeah, he's a, now that picture of him standing on his stick, looking like so bored. It's like a yeah. classic. But my favorite hockey cards were always Bernie Perrant, man. Yeah, <laughs> and well, and Bobby Clark. <laughs> yeah, and well, it's it's funny too because um, Kim's brother, Bernie. There's Bernie Perrant, and then there's uh, Bernie Jr. Okay. and then Bernie had a son. Bernie, Bernie so the third, Bernie. And, yeah, Bernie the third. Little Bernie is an amazing basketball player. He's lighting it up down there in uh, in, in Jersey. Really? Yeah. So you might see a uh, you know Bernie Perrant, the basketball player, coming up next. So nice. um, no, great, great fit. Like cool Kim, stories, man. Uh, Bernie, even um, Kim's mom, Carol, amazing lady, amazing mm. lady. So um, yeah, like uh, I think. You should get Kim on, rack her brain for a little bit. Cool. And, I did. Uh, I did. I think I shot her a message because after I started adding you and yeah. looking around and going to your websites and stuff like that, I noticed, oh, she's yeah. she's Bernie's rep, right? So I'm like, hey, I've been chasing Bernie for years, you know, yeah. just because he's my childhood idol, right? But yeah. uh, I'm also yeah. chasing grapes. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jerry yeah. Cheevers, too, is one of my favorites, too, because my, he grew up in, in St. Catharines, and my father's mother used to babysit Jerry Cheevers. Wow. And That's... so when, when Doug Irwin had, I don't know, Doug Irwin is a kid I went to school with uh, back at Carleton. His father was connected somehow to the NHL, and he had all the mailing addresses for all the teams. So, and I remember how yeah. brokenhearted I was. Jerry Cheevers didn't return my message because I'm like, my dad said that his mother babysat you and blah, blah, blah. And I wrote the, you know, I was so excited, handwritten letter. I sent it off to Jerry Cheevers and just like Santa Claus, he didn't write me back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, so last year I'm sitting in my garage training out of there and I had a buddy of mine who um, had uh, topical creams with CBD and THC and a lot of the Jerry's right down with my dad. Jerry and my dad are, are very close. They're, they're good buddies. So I'm sitting out there. All of a sudden, my phone rings, and it says Jerry Cheevers. I'm like, Jerry Cheevers? So I answer my hello. He's like, hey, Corey, it's uh, Jerry Cheevers calling. I'm like, really? Like like Jerry Cheevers? He's like, yeah, like Jerry Cheevers. I think he was, he was like, I'm, I'm with Brad Park and someone, maybe Eddie Westfall. So I was like, yeah. holy. So he's like, legends. Hey, your dad gave me some of that cream. No. I'm coming back. You know, I'll be in St. Catharines in July. And, you know, I'd like to come by. I want to see your machine. I think maybe I could, you know, I'm 80. I'm getting a little, you know, maybe I want to hit the ball farther. I want to come see 80. you. But these guys all want the CBD cream for their, their joints and tendons. Cool. And so anyway, I was, I was like, oh my God, Jerry, cheers. I don't think I've ever met him, but him and my dad are close. They're always doing something. And cool. my dad always cool. told me back when he was a kid, uh, he was a little younger, but he said the only guy who could outrun him was Jerry Cheevers playing lacrosse because Jerry was a really good lacrosse right. player too. Right. He said there's only right. one guy faster than me, and that was Jerry Cheevers. So, wow. <laughs> so if he comes to St. Catharines, I'll we'll have to uh, we'll hook up because he he I think he comes and he golfs at. Uh, here at the St. Catharines Club when he's in town. So. Cool, man. Childhood idol. So uh, a little yeah. bit more about the podcast, and then tell me specifically yeah. about the machine. Um, okay, yeah. So the podcast, I think Kim and I, um, we've been talking 
our last episode we were supposed to do was with uh, Mike Keenan. Um, it kind of got put off. I was in Jersey. And, I fucking love Mike uh, Keenan. And, and he was just like <laughs> the biggest just, asshole, but what a great coach, man. <laughs> I love it because I, I've talked to some people who've played for him, and I just love the stories. Like uh, I do some work. Mike Hartman is a guy who does a lot of mindset training. I work oh, with him. Oh, cool, yeah. And I get him to, you know, he played on the Rangers when they won the cup. But He was not a player's like, coach, eh? Yeah, yeah, no, he's like, oh, he's just telling me the thing that like, you know, Keenan, you walk in the room and, you know, he'd give it to Tony Amante and be like, hey, where do you think you fit in on this list? It'd be like Mark Messier, Adam Graves, Nemchinov and Amante, you know, I think I fit right under there, right under Matt and like Keenan would just rip into him. <laughs> so I just love hearing the, you know, the Keenan, Keenan stories that players loved them and hated them, but yeah, he yeah, really yeah. was a, uh, made them play um, in top shape. Got the most out of them. Got the most out of everyone. And then, uh, and he could put a team together too. Didn't he put a Canada cup team together once? Yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, Cause I think talking was on that team. team. Wendell Clark. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So anyway, and Kim's very good friends with um, uh, like Danny Briere and, she's been in Philly that whole time. And so, you know, she knows, you know, the Hextall family. And, oh, you know. yeah. So she does a lot of the guest coordinations, I guess. So I ask kind of the guy questions and oh, she yeah, asks cool. sort of her, you know, her, her questions. Of, That's awesome. You know, and, but it's, we just like kind of talking about, you know, how it was growing up. Nice. What we kind of saw. I got a little bit of that out of uh, Tim Cherry when I interviewed him because, well, the grapes is untouchable, but uh, that's a guy you should, you got to pull a string and get that guy on. Man, I'd love to see a long form interview with him because he's going to be gone. You know, I hope he lives another 100 years, but like when that guy goes, like, you know, when Elvis died, my mother fucking cried for weeks. And I never, like, I'm like, okay, so I try and put myself in that frame of mind. Like, who do I love that much that when they die, I'm going to be that messed up. And maybe that's, maybe that's one of those guys. I don't yeah. know, but, uh, well, I haven't met Don either. Um, but apparently when he coached in Colorado, my dad had a fight with the owners and said, I'm not playing for you. Well, Don Cherry came in, was having goalie troubles, said, listen, and my dad played with Dick Cherry, his brother. So oh, they, right. we had known the cherries forever. Right. So Don said, listen, I want Fabel. He's, in great shape he's up living in the mountains i want him to play they're like you can't have him he can't play here so one night on hockey night in canada i'm sitting around with all my buddies coaches corners on and don cherry comes on and he says yeah dougie favel cost me my job in colorado and everyone's like, <laughs> looking at me like your dad cost him his job i go no I, I go he's joking and like they didn't he's not joking he hates your dad he's like dougie favel cost me my job in Colorado. this and that so i always wanted to see him and say like listen like Everyone we we got to get something straight, Grapes. <laughs> yeah, I know. So anyway, but um, he was at a dinner. He always comes down for um, uh, to support Steve Ludzik. Yeah, he does. So yeah. He, he, he'll always make an appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, even if he just slides in the back door, he'll take some pictures, say a couple of things. And, yeah. But he still is genuine that way. He'll make an appearance. Oh, yeah. So my dad sent me a picture. Hey, you know, you're late for dinner. And he's got his arm around Don Cherry. And I'm like, oh. So I could have met him, but I was like 20 minutes late for dinner and Don was already gone. So uh, I just really hope that he's a guy who I just, 
I loved Coach's Corner. I don't get I starstruck, love... but I, I met him at the – I did not meet him. I I could have walked up to him at the Meridian Center, and he was standing with a friend of mine, and I, I was yeah. I was frozen. I could – I just uh, – you know, I'm, I'm kind of awkward that way because I don't like approaching famous people just because it's – it puts them out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think they get tired of it or whatever. I could not – I couldn't do it. And I remember coming out of the Bill Burgoyne Arena. I was talking about the Burgoynes. And yeah. uh, uh, Bobby Orr was in town signing autographs for, you know, I was playing Kiwanis. And yeah. uh, my mother was standing beside me, and she was just white as a ghost. And, and she, uh, I didn't know at the time, but well, she's he was probably the mystery goalie. He was probably the mystery goalie in Kiwanis. Yeah, maybe he was. <laughs> well, your dad was once, too, when I was a they kid. They were. Don yeah. Cherry was, was Bobby he? Orr. Remember that? When those guys yeah, used to come. Yeah, maybe Bobby Orr was the mystery goalie. Anyways, he's yeah, signing autographs, and I got my autograph. From I'm um, long lost it by then, and my mom says to Bobby R. She says, "Can I just get a kiss?" And she he said, "Sure." So she kissed him right on the lips, and I'm yeah. like, "Ma, I'm telling Dad." And she says, "I don't care. You can tell your dad. I just kissed Good. Bobby R." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she awesome. loved him, man. But yeah, that's yeah. Uh, very cool, man. I'm glad that. Uh, you're putting that together, and uh, just before I let you go, man, I've kept you way too long. Tell me about this machine because I, I don't know anything about what it is, but it must be something it's, special. Yeah, no, it's 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 a new technology. Um, I was, you know, I felt I could have went a lot farther playing hockey if I was a lot stronger, right? I had really fast hands, but my feet weren't so fast because I wasn't very strong. So I kind of have always biohacked my body, and I always had a membership of the Y, and I always tried to, you know, try and stay in good shape and. Uh, five years ago, um, when I got introduced to this technology out of Texas, they came to me and said, you work with athletes and this might be something, you know, this might help your athletes. So I signed up for the program, like, yeah, whatever, sign me up. And I did 10 weeks on this uh, adaptive resistance training, blew my mind what was happening to me. I was 45 years old. I was, you know, I stopped the actual training in the gym and said, okay, I'll do the test. And actually doubled my strength. Okay, so this and, is the machine you got, an adapter? Resistor? Now, yeah, so I was okay, like, wow, so okay. Right, is... Logistically, what is it? It's adaptive resistance. So it's basically a motor connected to computer software. The computer software tracks every movement that your muscle makes. So, so it's like a instance, rowing machine or something? It's almost like a Bowflex connected to a motor that tracks your, okay. uh, right. your resistance. Okay. And so... Basically, if I go into the gym and I want to work my chest and I get on the bench press, I put on weight that mm-hmm. I can do safely. Mm-hmm. Three sets of 10. You know, guys, right. okay, first set, here's 10, rip out eight to 10. Mm-hmm. All right, here's eight to 10. Well, you got 140 pounds on the bar, 140 down, yep. 140 up, 140 down, 140 up. Naturally, your body resistance can resist a lot more than 140, but in the gym, you're stuck at 140 because once you lower to here, scientifically, your muscles aren't as strong to push. And you're prone to more uh, injury. Exactly, because the weight and the gravity. Mm-hmm. So on my machine, I know I can bench press 150 pounds, but I can bring down 210. Okay. Basically 210, 190, 180, mm-hmm. you know, two, you're, you're, you're different strengths through wow. the whole strength pool. So by the time you're done four reps, you're just you've you tore the muscle down wow go let it recover you don't have to do three sets of 10 like what i find is it's a lot easier on the joints and tendons when you're getting back into working out 
sometimes our muscles say, hey, I can bench 150. Okay, but are my shoulders and joints and tendons really don't want to do 150? We need to start at 110, work our way up to yeah, 120, okay. 130. So that's the physio part of my machine is that's why I can work with, you know, older people or people with injuries. And that's why I can work with younger kids because I'm not using weight mm. and I can teach them proper form and what muscles they're actually using. So it's, it's just, it's a game changer, but cool. like I said, the two years of lockdowns, everyone asks me, oh, were you affected? And I always think, no, nah, I wasn't really affected until this week. It's like, you know what? It crushed me. I had a great thing going at energy fitness. Then Jeff and Paul gave me a great opportunity um, at Niagara health and rehab. I thought I was doing great. And I was like, man, I'm stuck working out in my garage. I go, you know, it, it did affect me. And um, so now I am April 1st. I have a new um, small sports medicine clinic that I'm, that I'm moving into April 1st Cool. where there's, you know, not a lot of staff. There's a couple people. So, you know, I, if I go to the States and I come back, I can, you know, I can still work. There's, you know, mm. I just, in, a, in an environment at NHRC, um, they're very safe there. They, they follow all the mandates and everything. And it was, mm-hmm. I was just scared that another lockdown or something was going to come up. Everybody has to follow the rules. And unfortunately, you know, the restaurants and the strength coaches and stuff kind of took, took the grunt of it. So um, cool. that's kind of how it ended. So yeah, it really kind of screwed me over. I loved everything I had in NHRC. I loved everything I had at Energy Fitness. Now I'm thankful for Martina, who's given me an opportunity in, in this new Fastion Sports Clinic, mm. where we're going to start. We're going to try it all over again and, you know, build back better. Oh, shit. You I, had to I'm fucking a Republican, ruin everything. So <laughs> Trust me. I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? All this talk about Boston Bruins and Philadelphia Flyers, I get, uh, well, I'll call yeah. them cousins, the Berenicks. Um Danny Bernick, he his kid, well, Danny the third. You know those uh, mylar mats. This kid can yeah. like he could stick handle like lightning fast. I've never seen anything like it. And they're all like Danny Senior, Danny Junior, and Young Danny. They're yeah. all Bruins fans, like diehard. They got the best rink out in Pelham in the winter and everything. Yeah. And this kid's an undersized kid, and he is an absolute stud. So maybe you can just say hi to Danny Baranek for me. Maybe one day you'll meet him. Hey, Danny, <laughs> what year was Danny Baranek born? <laughs> Danny Baranek's probably a. 10 or 12 he's not like i mean okay. he's so he's, a, all right. so he's a, so i have uh my partner uh chris lukey partner in business that we're going into business to have it's called my hockey resume so we want to expose all these kids to d1 d3 mm-hmm. the u.s has a great development route uh for for kids that can play hockey till they're 25 26 and make a career out of it mm. here in Canada. I just found where it was a big rush to get to the NHL by 18, 19 in the States. They push for the education. They push for the diplomas. They push for and the development hey, too. Yeah. When you're 24, maybe now you're a man and you can compete at that NHL level where the Crosby's, the Shane Wright's mm-hmm. Scott Stevens, those guys were men at 18. Owen oh, Nolan, local guy went to high school. He was a man at 18. He could play with mm-hmm. the men. Now, you know, if little Timmy's not a man at 18, he can still get there. There's just another path. Hmm, and that path, you know, there is education involved. Like Chris Lukey always tells me, you know, hockey ends, but you can take your diploma to the grave. Hmm. So we try to push, get kind of an education. But 
I do have some special players, Federco and Smythe, who are, they're gifted. They're in the OHL. Mm-hmm. Lighten it up. They're, they're on a different path because, you know, they're, they're men, right, at a younger age. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's what, yeah, I'm going to look up Baranek. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll be all Good over. kid, man. Anyways, mm-hmm. it's been a real surprising pleasure to have you on. Uh, thanks to Josh Baker, really, for uh, the access. And then yep. thanks for coming into my YouTube channel and saying what's up. And uh, yeah, no, no, no. busting stuff, balls a little bit with him. And, uh, yep. yeah, I got to love Lord Freedom. So it's it's kind of... <laughs> It's kind of weird how it's strange how people come together. And you know what? I, I don't get, I say I broadcast for a living, you know, I brought, I've been broadcasting for a long time. I haven't made a dollar since they, you know, YouTube canceled me. But, um, and I even, you know, even when I was doing the radio show, I was making no money. I was doing it because I loved it. So, but you know, you know, I often wonder, you know, like today I got busy with business and I thought, you know, I actually considered today. I'm like, you know, at some point, like I love doing this. But I'm never sure why, because I'm making no money and I'm trying to, you know, build a new life down here. I'm chasing hotels and resorts and stuff like that with another buddy of mine and making some progress. I haven't banged anything together yet, but it's been a tough go. But, you know, I was today I'm like, you know, like at some point I'm going to be too busy to do this kind of stuff. So anyways, with that said, I appreciate your time. I I really uh, I never know why I'm having these conversations, but somebody's going to get something out of this conversation. And one day I'm going to hear about it and they'll go, I remember you had (laughs) Favela on that one day and it was awesome and it changed my life. So that's all I can hope for. Well, I appreciate what you're doing. You're letting people talk and kind of tell their experiences. I'm not on here voicing, you know, hey, I'm against this, against that. Hey, I read this. I read that. I just like to tell people what uh, my experiences are through through what I see, not mm-hmm. what I read, not what I, you know people tell me. It's what I see. So, all right, man. Good for you. Put up, man. All right, my brother. Much love. Uh, give my best to the family and keep it up on the show. There, I can't wait to go uh, dive into some of that. And uh, let me know when you get some uh, uh, when you get the Keenans on the world. I'd love to watch that yeah. one, man. I, that's gonna be that'll be oh, awesome. Sure. He's sure. the hardest MFer on the planet, but. Great coach, man. And I yeah, loved him when he was a Flyers fire. coach. I was a, yeah. still a big fan. Yeah, awesome. I even went okay. through the Hitchcocks days, even though I wasn't a big Hitchcock fan. I'm like, oh, I had a special nickname for that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. the links are in the bottom below. I appreciate your time. Thanks for doing it. And uh, maybe you could just on the way out tell people how to contact you in case I missed a link down below. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, yeah, you can get a hold of me on my website. Uh, favelfitness.com uh, my email is cory.favel at gmail.com um, I'm pretty easy to find on social media I don't hide I'm right out there I have favel fitness on uh, yeah you got uh, Facebook I'm on Twitter mm-hmm. um, Instagram I don't do the tickety talk or whatever I'm, I don't know but Chinese you, spies anyways yeah I don't even know whatever that tickety is talk. Talk. anyway thanks so much Jim for having <laughs> welcome, me on brother I appreciate it all right we'll okay. talk soon Take care. All right. Holy fuck. That did not suck. And now I'm late for Gavin McInnes. And I'm like a big, fat, well, I'm not fat anymore, but like I'm a big, sweaty mess. I've been in the background. I've been drying my face up like this, you know, when it's full screen. And you can probably hear me wiping my... (laughs) Drying my headset off because I down the volume that one time. <laughs>
Wow, that was an unexpected, unexpectedly amazing conversation. Thank you, Mr. Favell. Wow, I was not expecting that, but I didn't know. We come out here and it's never scripted. I never know what I'm going to talk to these guys about. But uh, you know, I know he had presented to before a regional council, and uh, and tons of respect for doing that. And uh, and thanks, Josh Bigger. Lord Freedom, dude, uh, without you, I wouldn't have hooked that up. And who we got on McGinnis's show tonight? Who's this guy? He's doing interviews now? I know we're getting to legal uh, areas. He doesn't want his buildings inspected, which I presume shows that he wants to continue to be a slumlord and provide shitty houses. I don't know who this guy is. Who's this guy? Christian X, whose mother, they're all academics, by the way. Hmm. Um, Anyways, it's live Gavin McGinnis. I might... I've been missing it lately anyway. I think I'm going to go down to George's for a rum and coke instead. I'm exhausted. It was a good interview. Anyways, thanks for watching. Peace, love, hug your neighbor, whatever you do. Rip that mask off. And, um, defy. Do not comply. I love you. I'm out.